Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. I am your host, Shyam Khan, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Odi Odiarisi. Chris, what's up? Hey, Shyam, how's it going, man? Good, man. Uh, yeah, we just uh, we just got done with this Miami GP over the weekend. Uh, you know, first U.S. race of the year. Go U.S. Uh, for the U.S. fans, we had a 3.3 mile track. That's 5.4 kilometers. We had 57 laps. Uh, and all in all, it was uh, I think it was a pretty good race. You know, it nothing exploded. The FIA didn't intervene. Um, so yeah, I guess it was a race that came and went. Yeah, I mean, we uh, so I watched a lot of the pre stuff, like the uh, the some of the practices and quality, and um, there was a lot of talk about how the tarmac was repaved and everything. And there was no rubber. This track isn't something that gets used for like feeder series and things of that nature. So when quality happened and practice happened, there was crashes, people spinning, the wind gusts on the turn where Charles lost it twice. I mean, Charles crashed in practice and in quality and he went into the wall and we were, I was expecting a complete disaster of a race because the night before it had rained. And usually when it rains, it washes all the rubber that's been laid down and you have a fresh, clean track and it's windy. It was super windy the day of the race. And I was expecting a disaster and nothing happened. Uh, I mean, a decent race happened, but nothing disastrous happened. So uh, very a little ster- sterile race. Yeah, very sterile race. And, you know, I, I can't tell if that's like a bad thing because we're not used to it um it, it, i think it's only the 12th if i'm i don't know if i'm wrong about this i think it's the only 12th race in formula one history with no dnfs which is kind of mind-boggling uh there was like a span of time from like 1960 to 2004 where there was a dnf every single race so it's kind of crazy to not have a single dnf not even a yellow flag not a red flag anything uh but there was some decent I guess, racing i guess that pile up in australia uh is kind of uh evening out all of the the races that that we've had uh, recently where you know pretty much everyone's finishing there's not a whole lot of on-track commotion uh so all in all i guess the season's kind of evened out in terms of uh really crazy racing a lot of crashes and then also races where really not a whole lot happens other than the race itself um yeah i i thought about miami in in slightly different terms you know there's not a whole lot of data that we have on this track and i know that the historical data is something that teams always prepare with uh, when they come onto a track so they're able to you know kind of anticipate what the the, the rubber situation is going to be like if you know if there are going to be exceeding temperatures or you know to anything to that effect there's historical data for every track miami this is only the second race that that they've had so uh i kind of thought about it in terms of you know how are they going to prepare for a track like this um especially knowing that you know with the weather from from the night before and then the tarmac you know being re-rubbered uh so yeah i i i was also expecting a little bit of commotion you know um but but here we, you know, here we have it. Uh, everyone maybe, finished. Maybe everyone played it safe and they played it equally safe. So there was a little bit less, you know, on the limit to create problems. Um, but to go back to your point, and this is super random. <laughs> uh, when we were watching the race, they're talking about this, but 
Um, this is the only second Miami GP, um, but they kept putting the stat up on the screen that said the last five U- U.S. winners and the last five U.S. pole sitters. And they were showing like the polls from the last five races, but not saying whether it was Coda or Miami or I think it was just such a very confusing um stat to put up on the screen for like people that aren't in the know that this is only the second race um and if you even go into the the f1 app they literally list all three u.s races as just the u.s grand prix not like the miami grand prix or the austin grand prix or the vegas grand prix it just says the united states grand prix and i think that's super confusing you didn't know it was the united state of america <laughs> the united state. state we're just i i think there's some very i i I'm not sure if the FAA or whoever's in charge knows exactly how to handle the U.S. Um, in terms of a market. Damn right standpoint. they don't. We don't even know how to handle ourselves. <laughs> Bingo. It, it, it does go. It does. Uh, it, it is a funny perspective from the outside, kind of on America, right? It, it really shows. Uh, it really highlights the fact that you know we still need to be exposed to the world uh in in the in a not so obnoxious way right um yeah I, I don't know miami i think there's a lot more maturation that needs to happen and i think that will only continue as the years go on um you know i'm sure you saw the the roger federer or james martin <laughs> james marsden hiccup oh so, so for, yeah I, i'm so glad you brought that up because that was such a hilarious moment and such a a U.S. screw up in my mind, and I was just like, and the thing that made it the best is the 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 smile from ear to ear that was on his face. Like, oh yeah, like oh, it's Roger like he Federer. was in on the joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he yeah. was in on the joke. It's like he was prepared for it, but it was just so randomly weird. And, and, and I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. But yeah, oh, I think I think like you it. said, there's some maturing that needs to happen through U.S. Formula One and the way they present themselves uh, and tracks. Uh, so and we'll get more about that a little bit later. I have some talking yeah, points, but because they don't ever say the European Grand Prix, and here are yeah. all the winners from the past European. You know, it's it's uh it's growing like, pains here. I I understand that the U.S. is a country and we're defined as a country, but you know we could be sort of looked at as the same as like the, the like the EU, like you know, fr- like if you look at like France as a state or Germany as a state, you know, it's a country within a union, but that's kind of what the United States is, a bunch of states within a union of states. So yeah, I think we should just say the Texas Grand Prix or the Austin Grand Prix of Miami and be a the little thing bit is, There's defined. only three races in the U.S. How hard is it to just differentiate those three? What happens when we, when we add on a couple of more to the U.S. circuit, you know? Which is actually interesting because a lot of people hate the fact that there's three races in the U.S. because they, in that scenario... They talk about how we're a country and they're like, no, because like, for instance, Logan Sargent has three home races technically. Right. And there's a lot of drivers on the grid that don't even have one home race, but he gets three because they define it as. But if you look at it, he only really has one home race, which is Florida, because I think he's from Fort Lauderdale. But yeah, um, it's just like, yeah, we need to figure out U.S. logistics with Formula One. They need to figure out logistics worldwide because they're about to head to Italy in two weeks, which makes absolutely no sense. But, you know, they're trying to save the world, Chris. I think and, they're and trying to. Fuel. Yeah, I think they're trying to, honestly. But um, I think they're getting a lot of pushback from track owners and people who have planned yearly events around these things. Like people are used to traveling and things of that nature. So uh, I'm curious to see what they're able to accomplish next year. But yeah. 
uh it is yeah, a bold, I mean it's a bold task for the Formula One to try to be saving the world but you know good on them hey, as, as long as they say it loud <laughs> enough we'll believe it yeah of uh, course. cool so let's get into the race today Chris so Red Bull again just dominating um but specifically Max dominating the grid uh and seems like he has no plans of stopping um you know barring any on-track incidents or accidents he'll probably run away with this um and and it you know hell of a race for the guy uh coming back from as many places as he as he did and then not just overtaking checo but putting what i think like 13 14 seconds on top of that yeah. you know just 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 a runaway horse here you know it, it made me think chris about some of the undisputable dynasties in american sports you know you have your 90s bulls your 2010s you know golden state warriors you have you know your red Sox, um and and the reason I point that out is because there's a certain reverence that Americans, American fans have for dynasties, whether you love them or you hate them, it does kind of propel these sports uh, and adds a, a storyline to it that, that, you know, keeps the sport strong. I'm curious, Chris, do you think in F1 it has the same effect or do you think having such a dominant force dilutes the competitive nature of the sport um that's a good point it's interesting because um it's a difficult thing for me to answer being a newer fan to formula one uh and from my understanding this is not the first time this has happened obviously mercedes had a long span of dominance and they had multiple years that were similar i think i saw a stat so i, I saw a stat yesterday that said like it was like 400 laps led by Red Bull this year and like 16 laps led by every other team combined. Um, but I saw a similar stat from Mercedes a few years ago where they had in the first like 10 races was like 400 laps, 450 laps led and the rest of the team combined were very small, like under 20 or whatnot. And so this isn't the first time this kind of dominance has happened in the sport. Um, and so obviously the, the sport has thrived through other situations such as this. But ultimately, I do think that it doesn't carry the same weight as other sports for uh, a variety of reasons. The biggest one in mind is that when you have to when you have a dominant team, they're not playing in every game. Uh, like everyone races in Formula One, you're getting you get to watch uh, different. Like you get to watch a Browns versus the Lions game in football, and you still get to watch two people kind of on equal grounding compete. And we have that a little bit in Formula One when backmarkers are racing each other, you know, when Yuki's fighting Oscar or so on and so forth. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if they're in 11th place or worse, it's for no points. And it's, it, it's uninteresting to watch, and therefore it doesn't make TV coverage. And it's kind of uninteresting from a spectator. Um, I actually think that they should try to put points into almost every finishing position to make the year more... Uh, enjoyable to watch from a competitive standpoint all the way to the back of the grid. So I do think that um, like one team completely dominating and just knowing that unless an engine blows up, they're going to win. It does kind of hinder the sport. Um, I think you're always going to have your diehards, your legacy formula one fans, but these new fans that came in from the, you know, the sort of the epic drive to survive era, I think they're going to get disinterested real quick after the, the variance and disparity from 2021 season, which was, you know, unprecedented according to most uh, long-term F1 fans. 
Yeah, I think I, I love a good dynasty, right? You know, that it, 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 I really do believe that it, it, having a solid dynasty and then having another one that takes over and, you know, letting every team get a chance to be, to have their shot at a dynasty is, is, is something that has been in, in American sports for a really long time. I think the effect is lost when the teams are on such uneven footing you know in the nfl the nba mlb you have a cost cap that you have to adhere to obviously in the mlb is a little bit different where you can you know buy out uh these stud you know contracts um and but but they're trying to you know equalize that as well so you do have uh the carousel is a little bit more even handed whereas in you know in f1 uh, you know, Williams did have a span of dominating and then McLaren had a span of dominating, but those other teams that, you know, that are up for contention, they kind of get forgot about, you know, and they don't really get a chance to go in there and disrupt a dynasty. Like, uh, for example, the Ro uh, the Rockets disrupting the Chicago Bulls 90s era, right? They came in in the middle and picked up two championships while MJ was out you know, they had the opportunity to do that. There's not, it doesn't seem like that's the case in, in F1. It seems like a dynasty kind of just happens year over year without any kind of ability for another team to come in and, and, and capture uh, a year or two in between keeping things interesting, you know? So yeah. you are having these like six seven years of ferrari dominating and then mclaren dominating and then you know mercedes dominating the red bull dominating and then what about alpha tori you know like what about alfa romeo what about all these like other you know alpine they're 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 kind of just going to stay stuck in that washer cycle of history of like irrelevance you know so so yeah i i i i gave it a lot of thought uh because you know max's dominance uh especially in this race um, just illustrates, you know, what it looks like to, you know, I, I don't even know how you bet on this in Vegas. I don't even know what yeah. the line would be to, to, to bet for Max and Checo. Like if they're an undisputed winner, like what's the payout for that even, you know? So that, you know, it, it, it is something to hats off to Red Bull. They did what they need to do. I wish Checo would have won this race, you know, to keep things a little bit more interesting, but Max won, and now you know the the delta between him and Checo is almost insurmountable. I feel like you know, um, and and does it strengthen or weaken F one? I definitely think right now it, it weakens F one, especially like you said for for newer uh, audiences. But it does have the potential to kind of get to where these other sports uh, are in terms of like getting the playing field a little bit more equal maybe restructuring how points are, are administered. Um, yeah. I, I just, I just think like going into every race and thinking that, you know, it's going to be what did I said earlier, ver per allo, you know, yeah. <laughs> those are going to be the three uh, acronyms at the top of every single screen. And it, you know, it just kind of takes away from the season. So um, yeah. Uh, any, anything else that you have to, uh, on the Red Bull piece, Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, I full agree with everything you just said. Like, I really, I really want the FAA to take a look at um, the regulations and the adjustments they've made because they designed these new regs about 
trying to get the cars to race closer. Um, and they designed them to have these ground effect cars. And then the um, we had the porpoising issue last year, which created a lot of system systematic issues with bouncing and porpoising and uh, potential injury errors for the drivers like you saw when Lewis would have his back hurt and things of that nature so they had to adjust the regs to raise the ride height of the cars uh, effectively erasing the intent behind um, the regulations and creating it more difficult for the cars to fall as close and things of that nature and we saw that a lot in Baku we saw a lot of drivers making up a lot of time on the driver ahead and then just kind of puttering out when they got into the dirty air behind the car. Um, so I think if they're able to try to figure these things out, we can get a little bit more tighter racing and maybe close the gap. Um, but yeah, I mean, Red Bull is going to dominate. They're going to dominate this year. And especially Max went like, as soon as we saw that double overtake on who was it, was it signs and K bag or was it Leclerc and K bag? I think, I think it was, I think it was Leclerc and K-Mag. Yeah, so, but either way, it was like watching Max Verstappen playing a Formula One video game on easy mode. Like, he literally just shot. I mean, to be fair, they were fighting each other, and Max got a good exit and all that, but it's just that DRS. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hot knife through butter, you know, yeah. with that it, car. When you, when you watch that happen, you were just like, there's just no shot. Um, and... um. The other thing we could talk about later, but like the whole tire situation, like Max was putting in fast laps on 40, 40 lap old hearts. Like I, I don't just don't even want to think about that. Like I would like, I just couldn't believe it. Like Checo had pit for new hearts. He was on 20 lap old hearts, Max was on 40 lap hearts and just putting in way faster laps than Checo was at that moment. Yeah. I knew, I knew it was over. So I, I, I actually didn't agree with, with pitting Checo as early as they did. Um, I think he still had life left in his tires that he was going to be able to manage and probably um, extend that gap with Max. Not to say that Max wouldn't have won anyways. I mean, the guy put up like a 14 second difference um, out, out front. But, you know, I I think Checo went into this um, or, or Red Bull went into this race with the strategy that favored max i think checo had to kind of concede to that knowing that even though he was starting at the front of the of the pack um that it was probably going to be a race that max is going to end up winning uh but but you know we can talk about red bull all day right yeah uh, let, let's <laughs> let's turn our attention to 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 another team that uh has a little bit more interesting skew to it so aston martin uh they split the entire grid almost uh uh um in Miami with uh, Fernando placing in P3, Lance in P12. Let's go back to it, Chris. Do you think Lance is a suitable D2 for Aston Martin? Um, well, I got two points to make about this. One, there was so much uh, slight back to Red Bull for one second. And the fact that I heard from a lot of people that Max has to have a different car. Max has to have the engineers giving him some special juice or turning down Jacko's car because it was just so divided. And I was like, if that's the case, then I guess Lance's dad is giving him a crappy card because Fernando was just that much pacier than him. And I think if, you know, this is the year uh, for anybody to wake up and realize that Lance might not be suitable for Formula One, it's probably going to be this year because Fernando is completely putting him to shame in most races. Um, and I don't know if he's, he's coaching, this. he's coaching him. 
he's coaching the, yeah. yeah he's like watching him on tv giving him giving him pointers uh and bravo and maybe that's why lawrence brought him on he's like teach my son how to be a good driver i mean but, the amount of bandwidth that man has to be able to stay in the top three race while also being cognizant of what lance is doing and, and giving him pointers i mean but you also heard I, uh, I mean i heard i don't know if you did that lance was like yelling at his engineer uh over team radio being like yeah can you, can you give me some what, some what's information going on? or yeah, something just like anything that. like and it almost sounds like they've kind of written him off and they know that they have Fernando being in the hot seat and, and capable of putting podiums up. And so they're focusing on his race and just being like letting Lance do his thing. And so, yeah, like I, I think it's clear that Lance is never going to dominate the sport. And he's obviously, even though if he, he he's a decent driver, but he's getting older um, and he doesn't have that fight in him like someone like Fernando does. So I think at at some point they do have to to ask themselves, do we want to win championships or do we want my son to drive Formula One? And I think that question needs to be answered. Yeah. So so at what point do you think Aston Martin uh will have to start seriously considering uh offering the D2 positions to more talented drivers? I mean, you know, there there's talks of Charles potentially leaving Ferrari. Uh Mercedes is doubling down on, you know getting Lewis on another contract. So that door might be shut to Charles. Um, you know, w- w- at what point do you envision Aston Martin having to make that decision to to move into a new driver? I think if they're ever going to make it, it's going to be um, for next year. I don't think that, I think if a driver shakeup is going to happen, it's going to have to happen sooner than later because if they give Lance... I, I don't know how Lance is. Maybe I could look it up in a second, but he, he could probably sit in that seat for another five years if they have no intention of getting rid of him, in which they in which case they could definitely miss out on a potential championship. Because if you have someone like Charles in the second seat, like you mentioned, and they're putting up double podiums, uh, maybe the gap closes a little bit next year and Red Bull's, the gap is uh, much closer and you have a, an Alonzo-Charles um uh, pairing they could they could easily fight for the championship so I, I definitely think it has to be over silly season this year that these kind of things are being discussed yeah i think i'm going to give it one more year i think the i think if lewis were to leave mercedes and there was confirmation on that then the the shakeup might put lance in a compromised position uh with the you know the the what do you call it? The musical chairs of F1 drivers. <laughs> um, but but given that, you know, Toto has kind of pronounced that that they're gonna try to get Lewis on another contract. Um I, I just think that Lance will probably skid by one more year. Um, I think they'll let Fernando shine um this year and next year. But I do think at some point mid early next year if lance isn't producing podiums consistently and in fact is jeopardizing constructor cup uh you know potential for for aston martin he probably will get the boot like the most gentle loving boot that any driver's ever gotten uh probably a severance package too yeah Um, here's here's 10 million dollars a fancy car a yacht go have some fun 
yeah and we'll, <laughs> yeah. we won't drag you through the mud like we did with danny rick yeah um so so yeah I, I i'm gonna give it until probably mid next season for them to determine if lance is gonna stay on or um or if they're gonna have to pivot into into a new d2 who's your who's your top three to take that seat that's a great question chris um I really do like Alex Albon uh, for for that seat. I think what he's he's been able to kind of be the buoy for Williams, um, and I, and I say that in a good and a bad way. Good in the sense that you know he's essentially kind of leading the team that that really doesn't have any potential for for uh, for winning uh, anytime soon, um, and he's matured since you know i started watching f1 back in 2019 um we started watching consistently and i think that package of maturity being able to lead a team but also kind of his humility and and how he is as a driver and 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 kind of being able to plug into a system and play that all works i think for the d2 position um at, at aston martin is stable he's talented he learns quickly uh i i really do love uh, Alex for that seat um depending on how the Ferrari situation shakes out uh you know I, I don't know if, if Charles is okay with being a d2 anywhere uh but maybe if it's a situation where it's with Fernando and he's you know almost on his way out and then he can kind of come in as d2 and then elevate to d1 you know I, I think that would be a, a good fit uh for for Charles and for Aston Martin um and number three for some reason i want to say carlos signs i think he you know when we talked about this before i think he is a a a capable driver he's a very very talented driver i don't think he is uh, a franchise driver you know not someone that you build a, a team around but i think in if you want a capable driver in there who, you know, another Spaniard, just like Alonzo for, <laughs> so, you know, you can, you can play up that marketing side as well. Um, and you can have at least something stable going into, you know, uh, into the following seasons. I, I would say Lando, uh, but just given the the lucrative contract that he signed at McLaren and kind of his, uh, he he's already mentioned a few times that he's going to stick with McLaren, that he's like, you know, vested in what they're having, they're going to want to do. I don't really see him moving um, anytime soon. Uh, I think he will probably stay through it for a, a couple of years at McLaren, especially after they took on Oscar and they don't really, you know, they haven't really put up any kind of uh, uh, performance and we'll, we'll talk about McLaren a little bit more later, but, uh, but yeah, I think for, for me right now, uh, Alex Albon, Charles and and Carlos signs are 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 good um, fits for that D two position at Aston Martin. What about yep. you? I think we we just have to look at who's ready to leave and who's ready to be in a fast car. So that's got to be Charles. Uh, I, I I know that Ferrari is a legacy thing for them for both him and Carlos. It's like a driving for Ferrari is like an honor, um, and everybody wants to do it. But I think at some point he wants to win championships if possible. So. If Ferrari can't get it together um, this year, I think he would be looking to jump ship. And then just like you said, I think Lando, um, as much as he has committed to McLaren in the past, I think he is uh, 
if he had the opportunity, he would highly consider it. And I think Lawrence can ha- can handle the uh, the lucrative part. Um, so, and then you know, my third one would be you know Oscar. I think Oscar uh, considers himself a, gen- a generational talent, or at least he's been toted as such. Um, has that potential to be? Uh, and he, you know, he's a rookie that could prove himself to you know be the George Russell rookie caliber, Charles Leclerc caliber. So if uh, if that seat was open and nobody else wanted it, he could potentially slot in. And I'm guessing he has a one-year deal with McLaren, so uh, that could be there for him. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, like you it's said, not a bad thought. It's not a bad thought. Lance could be there for, for forever. Maybe he's gone this year, maybe next year. But uh, I think if they want a serious chance at winning a championship, uh, that's going to have to change. Cool. So let's uh let's take a look at a team that we haven't really discussed heavily yet, but they've uh they made the news stands this week. Um, mixed feelings for Alpine, Chris. Uh, you know they were able to get points. Pierre and and Esteban were able to kind of get in one after another uh this week. Uh, but Lauren Rossi, the team CEO, has made some really strong statements uh, disparaging the team's position early on in the season. Uh, to quote, he says, it's disappointing. It's actually bad. This year ended up starting with a flawed performance and flawed delivery. It's obvious our position in the standings is not worthy of the resources we spent. And we are quite far, in fact, very far from this year's end goal. And that's him talking to French channel Canal Plus. Um Strong words from the CEO. Uh, what do you, what do you think about Alpine's um, near future and, and 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 down the road future? Yeah, I mean this sport is tough. Like this is expensive sport. Anybody getting involved, putting money behind development, engineering, cars, drivers, um, and at the the max of its popularity when everything when all eyes are on it, it's got to be tough to put so much investment behind an idea and just watch it not perform to the ability that you envisioned. And I think, you know, not everyone can be Red Bull. Not everyone can win every race. And, you you know, there's, there's still Mercedes and the Ferraris of the world. And so um, it's difficult to get up there, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what's, what's going on with Alpine. Like, obviously there was a shakeup with them, with Alonzo, with Oscar, there's obviously some inner inner things that aren't necessarily fully public that maybe make the cohesion internally not jive to the to the fact where they can actually put all the pieces together to win a race or win a championship or just have a, a well-oiled machine, uh, so to speak, on both ends. So yeah, I you know it's a difficult thing because um, they did we did see a lot of potential them, but I remember at the beginning of the year we we were super hopeful for them and we thought that they would perform very well we thought gasly was in a good choice um yeah it's just kind of difficult and i and i agree like if you're the ceo of a company and you're not hitting your goals you're going to be upset and it kind of you know they got points this weekend but it, it wasn't that many so hopefully hopefully they can get up there and perform yeah, if you can recall in this latest season of Drive to Survive, the conversation and the storyline between, you know, Otmar and, and Laurent Rossi, you know, it seemed like they were, it was all positive, um, especially their rapport with each other. But, uh, you know, in my time in watching the sport, I also have come to 
realize that it's a really big top-down mentality and culture and Otmar you know as good of a team principal as he is I think he does have some softness around those edges and I think to be uh, the top tier you know uh, team principals you do need to be a little bit more prudent a little bit more edgy uh, you know, really be demanding of of your organization and your drivers, and really setting that pace, uh, but also nurturing them. You know, I think that's kind of the 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 most talented team principals. I think have that. I think Mike Crack is a really good example of someone who is now put in that position and and really showing that leadership quality that that's needed. Um, so I think the contention between Otmar's maybe, you know, uh, you know probably a little bit more easygoing uh, demeanor and the demand that Laurent Rossi has as a CEO uh, are butting heads at this point. And I think, you know, uh, it's not a lost cause that, you know, they got points They're They're definitely trajecting slowly uh, up into the right, but I, I get, you know, the frustrations coming from, from leadership there. Um, and, and, and I'm not going to put Otmar in my hot seat just yet, um, I think he still has some runway to prove himself and to 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 right the the ship. But if this continues into the next couple of races, I definitely see uh, Otmar, you know, being put on uh, some sort of hot seat situation uh, and you know really being held accountable uh, in a really public way by by Laurent Rossi. Yeah, I definitely think he needs. I I full agree with you that he has some, some gifts still, some slack, but they're you know they went through that whole Oscar situation, um, where he thought he had him in the bag, and then I don't know whether he felt like he didn't have to get everything signed on the dotted line, and it was just all going to work out. But yeah, there's some there's definitely something that is missing there, and he's going to have to to button up a little bit if he wants to keep his position. Um, yeah. And then, you know, just the drivers, like Pierre's had a lot of chances. Um, at, you he know, actually had a really good start to the race. I thought he was going to probably finish P5 or, or or even higher up the, the ladder. Uh, I think it's after he had his pit stop where he kind of fell further down. And, you know, luckily Esteban was able to come in and kind of, you know, uh, clean up and make sure that they, they stayed both in, in, in points. Uh, so all in all, a good week for uh, for Alpine, but in terms of where we expected them to stack up against the competition, you know, they're 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 still kind of far away from that mark. Yep, totally agree. Cool. So let's talk about winners, losers, and the hot seat, Chris. What do you <laughs> yeah. got for your winners this this week? Um, uh, I think big winner everyone's expecting. It's just Max. He, uh, you know, he's had a couple of. Uh, let's say very small road bumps with qualification issues. You know, the, the red flag came out. Um, it just proved that he has everything once again, that it's going to take to just to be a three-time champion and a generational driver. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, there was a moment on the broadcast or a picture where he like pointed at the number one on his car, like just insinuating, like that's me. I'm number one. I'm, I'm that man. I'm the yeah. man. Like, you know, all you check levers, you think it's just hopes and dreams gone right now. Just just be done with it. And then Alonzo, like I like I'll never get tired of seeing that guy on the podium, smiles cheek to cheek, and uh 
You know, he's been on the podium four out of five races. I think he's uh, scored 15 points every single race because uh, he missed the podium, but he was, but he scored points in the sprint race. So I think he's had 15 points every single race, and that consistency is going to to lead to some to big points, and he's going to either get you know P two or P three in the championship, depending on Checo's performance for the rest of the year. Um, so like, you know, maybe eventually the P threes will get old, but I'm so happy for the guy. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm in agreement with you. You know, Max just did, did the thing today. Um, and, and it's hard to dispute his excellence right now, even if it's a matter of the car being excellent, you know, you still need to put that car in place. And, and, and he did that today. Uh, I, love seeing fernando on uh, on the podiums it, i think it's the sports in a better place when he's uh, on podiums uh i'm going to add two more to to my winner circle i'm going to add yuki and and kmag sure. uh, i think you know yuki again uh i think he he missed the points just by a little bit this uh this week but given how bad nick devries is doing um you know i think yuki has at least consistently been in that nine to 11 position which is you know all things considered for that team and and for yuki himself um i, I think i think the positive uh so so even though he didn't score points today he uh you know he was able to kind of stick in that that range uh that that might have been ambitious last year but this year it, it, it kind of seems like that's his place uh and, and he's gonna fight to keep those uh in, in the upcoming races uh and then with k mag too you know he had an excellent qualifying race um was able to kind of stick it in that in relatively in the same location uh for the race day as well um outperformed uh his teammate hulkenberg who i thought had a pretty good start to the race but you know the the strategy of of going in to lap 40 with your hard tires just doesn't work the same way for Haas that it does for, for, for Red Bull. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give K mag, um, uh, my hats off. I'm going to give Yuki my hats off. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, the biggest hat goes to max. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll agree with you. Like, uh, I'm super happy that Yuki continues to, to perform. Uh, I'm still trying to decide where he is. Like, does he deserve a top seat? Or, you know, is he kind of a, a, a you know, middle-of-the-road driver? Um, I think time will tell, but he's definitely outperforming his teammate this year uh, and probably deserves to be in either a better AlphaTauri or a better car than AlphaTauri. So, uh, and yeah, yeah, and Haas had a decent weekend as well. Um, you know, K-Mag was obviously not going to hold uh, onto the upper echelons of the race, but uh, they performed well and. um yeah, he's still driving his heart out. So uh, I would fully agree with you. Yeah, um, you know, good things for Haas this year. Uh, they're not running into the walls uh, every other race. So incrementally, I can see improvements across several of these teams. Um, so we'll see where that takes us. Let's talk about losers, Chris. Who do you got uh, for your losers this week? Uh, yeah, this might be a little surprising, but Sergio, like... Um, if you're pole and you're in clean air and you can't and you can't take that to a victory with uh with no flags, yellow, red, anything, then you did something very, very wrong. And um I think you need to have a <laughs> like like obviously you can get the setup wrong or you can have some bad tire dig or whatever it is, but 
you you shouldn't be that that much out of the game. And I think for him, uh, second place is almost losing in, in that respect because you should be able to convert a pole position with that much gap. So I mean, Max still had to navigate back markers. Max still had to go up the field. And there's whether you're faster or not, there's still time lost when you're battling cars. So Sergio should have been able to pull ahead, and he just didn't. And um, yeah, so I think. I think he should have done better uh, and he had all the chances to continue his win streak and just couldn't. So I think that's a wake up call for him. And then, and then Lance for the for harsh almost, words from Chris. Yeah. And almost, I mean, I love Sergio. I want him to win the championship. It's just not going to happen in my eyes. Um, and then, and then Lance, like Lance, uh, this for the same reasons, if you have your teammate putting it up on the podium and you're in P12 and nothing has happened in the race, then that, that P12 is on merit. That's you being bad, you know, or not bad, but worse at driving than your teammate. And that's, this should be on all merit. I think, I think the fact that we had no flags is a good, you know, determining factor of where these people should be because that's all pure merit based driving. So, uh, yeah, those are my big losers for the day just because they, they got outperformed by their teammates so, so badly. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you on the Lance piece. I think, you know, and you make a good point with without any red flags, with a clean race, you know, you're able to see a little bit more uh, or you're able to discern a little bit easier which drivers are better based on merit. And and yeah, the delta between Lance and and Fernando is, is um, like I said, is a cause for for concern but you know they they have a lot of good things to to kind of propel them uh, past that uh i I would say my loser for this week is logan uh you know dead last in qualifying dead last in the race he had that front wing you know issue right off the the bat and it's his home race uh you know i do feel bad for the guy but not too bad since he's an f1 driver um you know (laughs) he he had uh, I think he jokingly had said, you know, he wishes this race was a couple of, you know, further down the line this season. So he'd at least have a couple of races under his belt. Uh, But, you know, that's no excuse. I think uh, coming in dead last and not just dead last, but 20 seconds, you know, to, to, uh, to who was ahead of him? Piastri, who also didn't have a great season. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, It just, that was you know they 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 both got lapped it's it just wasn't a good look you know uh i think logan is probably going to take the biggest l for me this week uh just given the fact that he was at his home uh his real home turf um maybe if this was like in austin or something like that i probably wouldn't be so hard on him because he's still a rookie but uh but yeah disappointing stuff this week from logan yeah um it's got to be it's got to be hard to be a rookie and lose your and get p20 in front of your uh, in front of your home fans, your local your local heroes, and everything they want to see you do well, and and sort of be that that voice of American drivers in F one and um, but you know, I mean, he did have wing damage, so that did put him way back and without any flags to close the gap. It's kind of understandable, but still, yeah, I mean, um, you know, sometimes you have bad days. It's just unfortunate, and yeah, I mean, I I think he's still one to watch for the year, but yeah, I mean, what can you say? He got 20th, he got lapped, had a bad weekend. So uh, I'm not gonna disagree with the with the big L column on him. So no. feel bad for the guy, like you said, but <laughs> at least he's not in the hot seat. Who is yeah. in the hot seat, Chris? <sighs> it's gotta be McLaren. I mean, we had so much hype. I think 
I can't, I don't know who Zach Brown or the entire department, they were just, you know, saying we're bringing a whole new car to Azerbaijan and um, bring all these upgrades. And, you know, it just hasn't done anything. And, you know, for these guys to finish like way at the back of the grid, like wh- where do they finish? Uh, 17th and 19th. Like, yeah. Like McLaren, e- you know, even with the, the Danny Rick was performing better, you know, and they won a race two years previously with Danny and like, they have gone nowhere but backwards. And I, it might just be all the weight from the sponsors on the car, you know, all that, all that paint weighs it down. So yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you saw it, but they had a, like uh, on the, the Velo sponsorship or whatever it is, they had like the surgeon general warning, like right on the side of the car for the, cause I guess it's like a nicotine vape pen or whatnot. And I was like, Oh man, how much how, uh, the thought actually went through my, I was like, how much weight is that? Adding to the <laughs> cause, I, yeah. but yeah, like McLaren, Something has to change. And, you know, if they already brought upgrades, um, that means that they probably don't have any new upgrades coming anytime soon. So, you know, it looks like they're going to be kind of where they are. Like it might be slightly track dependent, uh, but I don't see them fighting for major points anytime soon. So I, something has to change. Engineers, Zach, the team principal, someone, something has to change in order for them to get back because you know they were so dominant uh for so long and they were performance and you know all lewis's old team i i just don't know where it all fell apart yeah i think i have them in my hot seat too they're uh the epitome this year of over promise under deliver and and they have two really good drivers so i think the the least common denominator here across seasons is Zach. Um, and and the leadership that he's, you know, hired around him, they're not getting Mercedes or sorry, McLaren to the promised land. They're not even getting up into a progressive like improvements year over year. You know, they're kind of like either sunk where they're at and then slowly sinking a little bit deeper while, you know, pulling at a thread. So yeah, I think McLaren, I don't, I don't know what the answer is quite honestly. I thought they had like, I thought they were going to have a really good car going into this year. Uh, They didn't meet any of their performance uh, expectations. Um, This might just be me being naive. I thought that they'd have enough turnaround time by this race to, to get back into at least, you know, consistent like P8s, P9s. Um, But, but that just hasn't happened. And, and, and I'm curious to see what um, the tolerance is for 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 the board members there to to keep Zach on um, as the CEO. Yeah, I will say that if we go into next year with zero management uh, or leadership positions in that team and no driver changes, I think uh, I would be very worried for the future of McLaren. But you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, may, maybe they'll knock it out of the park next year, but it looks like um, all signs point to that not happening unless there's a major change. Yeah, still a coveted brand, uh, but I can see it turning into a Williams. Yes. And I think uh, one more to add to the hot seat is uh, my best friend, Nick DeVries. My best um, friend, too. Yeah, you know, it sucks when your best friend is struggling so hard and, mm-hmm. and there's really nothing mm-hmm. you can do to, to help them out. You know, I really wish I could could be there for the guy. Um, you know, I think we already talked about this in, in previous episodes, Chris, but uh, my man's probably not going to have this seat going into next year. Um, 
And yeah, I would, that's I, that's really all I got to say about that one. Yeah, I'd be very shocked. Um, he has to have some sort of kind of stellar turnaround. Um, but at the moment, you know, he can go race with Mazepin somewhere. <laughs> Mazepin and, and Nutella Boy, if they there just if they just like did, they should just travel the world as like a cover band for like the Beatles or like Hollywoods or something, you know, like that. That's a HBO like comedy waiting to happen. They could start their own little racing league and, uh, you know, see who can go slowest around the track. Yeah, call themselves the Little Misfits. <laughs> uh cool. Uh, well, cool. Well, uh, let's let's look at let's look at some stuff off track, Chris. Uh, what um. What are some things that 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 piqued your interest this week? Well, I think the biggest thing that's out there, the big news, is sort of the Americanization Americanization <laughs> of Formula One and this uh, the controversy surrounding these driver intros. I don't know if you if you watched the pre show at all, but uh, you know they had Will I Am with LL Cool J, and there were some two some, hit makers of, of our times. Two hit makers of our times, but. It was so cheesy. Like they were like half on this like AstroTurf football field thing and the there was like an orchestra, but they were like just sitting in like school chairs on on the asphalt and just like a, what felt like a fake conductor. And they're just sitting there announcing these F1 drivers like it's like WWE. And it just felt so contrived. Weird. Yeah, yeah. contrived and weird. And the drivers have been outspoken the it hated it. You know, there's a quote from Alex Albon that's saying when he was asked about it, he's like, it's the show. We're in the show business now. And I think that's very telling that a lot of them are like, you know, we're here to race. We're here to be racers. And we haven't had to deal with these sort of things. And now all of a sudden we are. And I think a lot of people were worried uh, with Drive to Survive and bringing on new um, American races that we would turn into NASCAR and the whole spectacle, spectacle of it. And I think this is like another thing that like I'm I'm a little worried about like what's gonna happen in Vegas, like how over the top and silly are we gonna go? They're probably uh, gonna get Celine Dion, you know, someone left to center. The the <laughs> something to, to note here is the heyday of LL Kuzje and Will I Am is way before Oscar Piastri <laughs> Landon Norris's time. These drivers don't even that's not even in their scope of 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 the zeitgeist, you know. If you have Travis Scott up there and he's like raging and, and announcing everyone, that would be badass. And I'm sure the drivers would be like much more open to it. But you have a rapper from the 90s and an R&B rapper singer from like the early 2000s come on like like what's the relevant what's the relevancy in that like you know and it's not like you're at a shortage for talent you're in miami yeah um so so yeah i i do think it's one of those things where it almost seems like the f uh, the uh, the fia is run by really old curmudgeon guys that are being told what cool is by other old curmudgeon guys and and they're just making decisions based on that um so yeah i really don't know what the the reasoning was to 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 get LL Cool J and Will I Am to <laughs> nothing against them. Love those guys, you know. I I I'm 31, so that was during my time. But you know, I I just think it's one of those things where they tried it at low stakes, you know, low low risk, 
and then hopefully next year they'll have like Rihanna or something, you know? Well, I kind of, you know, I, I get it. There's, there's a lot of history in American sports, like Super Bowl halftime show and, you know, other big moments in sport where they, they want to bring out the celebrities and, and show off the kind of star power that we have, but I want them to at least try to take it a little bit more seriously. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Tom Cruise went straight to the Mercedes pit and became a pit guy, like a pit crew guy. I was like, what is he seven? Like, like, like how, how much more can you patronize these people? Like, you know, and then, and then of course, Brad Pitt's over there filming, uh, then the next F1, uh, the Jerry Bruckheimer film, like and, on location, which is kind of dope, but. Yeah. And Roger it, Federer was a marshal. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, him and him and James Marsden, Marsden apparently are, yeah, are hanging two out. peas in a pod, you know? <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess like it almost seems like not, a real race in that sense if you see what i mean like it almost seems like all-star weekend for the nba where it's not a really a race it's more of like a a a, a big party um which i don't know maybe that also kind of took away from the, the 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 race itself and and i'm curious if vegas will have you know, a similar effect or not, but, but uh, it, it was a funny sight today to, to, or this week to see uh, Will I Am and, and LL Cool J get back to social relevancy. Yeah. I mean, I just, I worry that um, these drivers are going to like enough is enough at some point, because if the spectacle just keeps getting more and more uh, then these hardcore drivers are going to like Max has talked about leaving if things continue getting out of control now i don't necessarily believe the guy because uh at the end of the day you want to you want to still be in the car and there's no other experience like it but yeah and his dad will probably disown him if he does oh yeah of course his dad has the whip in the back gonna drop him off at the gas station leave him there so um yeah but yeah no uh we'll see what happens in vegas but i think it's going to be uh crazy not to say the least so (laughs) cool well, let's put in our uh, predictions for uh, for Imola in two weeks coming up. Who do you got um, in your top three? All right. So we're going to make a bold prediction here because I don't know what the current status is, but I read that they were considering canceling the race because there's been some major storms in the area. And so I, I don't know if this has shifted or not, but we might have a crazy wet race. And I feel like that's the great equalizer. It can shake things up. I think George Russell, he showed he could perform. Rain Man. Uh, Rain Man. I think, he, <laughs> I think he showed he could perform in the wet better than most. Um, obviously, Max is still really good. Uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm still going to put Max uh, into, the, into the P1 slot. But we're going to go put George Russell in P2, and we're going to put my boy Alonzo back in P3. So I think okay. it's going to be Max, Russell, Alonzo. I think they're going to bring Nikita Mazepin back just because Nikita knows rain. He knows rain before rain even happens. That's exact. That's 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 just who he is. Well, he, he uh, only learned it from Gotifi, so. Yeah, you know, but but if he's not, if he doesn't make a, a, a an appearance, I think it's going to be Checo, uh, Max, and I think George is going to be able to eke it in based on just how how comfortable he is with uh, with the rain situation. So, uh, I still got high hopes for my boy uh Checo I uh, really do hope that he makes it interesting again cuz there still is room in the season for him to to trade wins with Max and and keep it even um but yeah only only uh only time will tell 
we'll see if uh, Valtteri Bottas can go bowling again this time in in Italy versus Hungary, and maybe it'll shake things up even crazier than expected. But I'm excited about it. You know, uh, this time I think it'll be okay to have a week off just to sort of uh, reset, let everyone get over back to Europe and uh, reset with the Formula mindset. But I'm excited for Imola, and uh, yeah, we'll talk then. Cool. Sounds good, Chris. Well, we'll see you guys in two weeks in Italy. Uh, Until then, have a wonderful two weeks. Yeah, enjoy it. See you at race week. Bye.